Just a quick reminder before we start this week's show, the Southampton Women's Football Club has reached another Hampshire FA Cup final. They'll be taking on the Portsmouth FC ladies at Haven and Waterlooville FC at 7.45 on Wednesday, March 28th. So head down to Portsmouth, wear red and white, make the girls feel at home, and help them bring home another trophy. And in case you were wondering, in their last five matches, they've scored 19 goals and allowed just one. All right, now here's the show. You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markstone. I'm the host of the show. No matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, thank you for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. Since last week, when Mauricio Pellegrino was sacked mere hours before the show was due to come out, uh, we have now appointed Mark Hughes as first team manager. And uh, the episode was set up. This interview that I have this week was set up for uh, over a month now. Uh, I was supposed to meet with Dave Lee, who is on Twitter at AO Dave Lee. Uh, he is a, a podcaster. He runs the Waves of Tech podcast and is partially in charge of Modern Life Network, which is on Twitter at Modern Life Pods. Um, but he is one of the closest Southampton fans to me uh, in in space, in, in, in time. And uh, if I'm ever going to see one, he might very well be that one. But uh, we were due to be at the same conference at the same time. And we decided we would go ahead and, and watch the match together on Saturday. We were scheduled to play Swansea at the time, 8 o'clock, 8 a.m. kickoff. Uh, we'll get together. We'll watch the match. We'll go to the conference. After the conference, uh, we'll get together and we will record. But, of course, we did not play Swansea. And we played on Sunday, which meant we were already home. Uh, but Dave and I still managed to uh, set aside a few minutes uh, during the conference to uh, sneak into a corner of a room and record a little bit of of his story and and talk about the appointment of the manager. And that's mostly what this week's show is going to be about because most of it was recorded while I was on the road. I had some callers who called in who left me voicemails, and uh, it was it was great because I got to hear from some of you, got to hear your thoughts on the manager. Um, and it was great. And of course, it's always better if I actually get to talk to you because um, I do actually enjoy uh, talking to other fans and hearing their perspectives. But this, uh, for me, is the next best thing. So uh, on today's episode, we have a few short uh, voicemails from from different callers, and we'll get to those before we get to the interview with Dave. Uh, and then I have the interview with Dave. And then I was presented with the opportunity to speak with uh, Jim Salveson, who is on Twitter at Mr. Underscore Jim Bob. Uh, he is a radio presenter out of Manchester. He hosts and writes the On the Left Side podcast, uh, produced for Abrupt Audio, which is run by Chris Huskins and Ant McGinley. And Ant also helps with the show. He helps write and produce it. And Ant was actually the one who suggested uh, to use SpeakPipe, which is how I was able to record 
some of these 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 voicemails from people. So a uh, special thanks to him for for setting that up and also for setting up the interview with Jim. And um, of course, Jim hosts the show. He hosts On the Left Side, which is a funny football show. It takes a look at actual kind of stories in football and kind of makes makes fun of them. And it's a podcast that I do listen to. And it's something that I look forward to because it's unlike anything else that is out there. So uh, if you're looking for something new, something uh, funny, something short, something insightful, uh, I'll let Jim tell you all about it. But the links are in the show notes and they are on Twitter uh, at on the left side. Um, I highly encourage you to uh, give him a follow and and enjoy what, what's going on there. But um, before we get to any of, of those interviews, we're going to jump into the voicemails that we got. Uh, we have three voicemails uh, on the hiring of Mark Hughes. We have one from Alex Hammond, who's been a guest on the show before. Uh, he is at St. Hammond. We have one uh, from Jamie Grant, who is at Granty underscore SFC, who is the lead admin for the Saints Report, uh, which partners with this podcast. So for all of your Saints FC news and needs, be sure to get in touch with the Saints Report on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, you will not be disappointed. I think you'll be entertained. Uh, and Jamie is the man kind of that behind that, who started that and who runs that. And we are official partners kind of with them. Um, and the last voicemail you hear before we get into the interview with Dave is from Tim Marshall. Tim has been on the show before. He's got a little bit of a cold. And I should tell you that um, the the sometimes the quality of, of what you're going to hear today in terms of audio clarity is is not necessarily what I would consider to be normal for the show. I think the show uh, normally comes across uh, fairly clear. Um, but we are dealing with internet stuff and I'm in hotel rooms and conference rooms and there are people yelling, uh, things like that in the background. So, uh, not always as nice, not a really controlled environment, uh, but we do our best and I hope that you still enjoy it. And I think the content will kind of make up for, for maybe the, the sound quality if it is, um, not as good as normal, but, um, anyway, enough of that. Let's get to the calls. And first up is our message from Alex Hammond. The more I thought about it, the more it made sense to appoint someone like Mark Hughes. He he isn't the most exciting of managers, but in the situation that we are now, we have to accept that experience is the most um, necessary skill of the managers out there. Marco Silva is a would have been a good a long term appointment. Mark Hughes for the eight game. It's been announced that it's for the till the end of the season so it's undoubtedly just to try and keep us up with someone of his experience never been relegated as a manager and also the, the good thing about Hughes is that he won't tolerate any nonsense from anybody so he'll whip those players back into shape to play some good football and if they don't play the way that he likes it then they're just not going to play because the thing with Pellegrino is it seemed that he was a little bit um, overpowered by players but I think it's a good appointment for Samson it will definitely be short term uh, just to try and keep stuff and then we'll take it from there, I think. I'd like to thank Alex for taking the time to call in with a kind of well thought out and reasoned view of the manager. And uh, I, I have to agree with large parts of what he said. Uh, Mark Hughes has some history. He should be able to gain the respect of the locker room. Uh, but now let's go ahead and jump into a call with Jamie Grant. You can find him on Twitter at Granty underscore SFC. Uh, I definitely think that uh, Hughes is a good appointment for the short term. Um, obviously, we've got to be realistic and think we are 17th more than 7th. Uh, already, by his initial interviews, I can see that he's going to give a, the players a real rocket. Got a good game coming up against Wigan to hopefully go through to the semi-finals, And then we've got a 
crucial run in and hopefully by the end of the season we can get we can stay in the Premier League and then we can review our options in the summer going forward and uh, yeah so hopefully it's a good appointment for Saints and thanks to Jamie for doing that and I have to agree with him in large part that the appointment of Mark Hughes is something a little bit different it's definitely a focus on the short term and we have to be aware of what we can attract at this point in the position that we are in um Marco Silva doesn't stand to gain a lot from maybe coming to Southampton now and attempting to keep us in the Premier League. Uh, he would, uh, in a lot of cases, would stand the, the opportunity to, to really hurt his reputation by doing that. Um, so although we would have wanted a manager like that, uh, we're not a very attractive option uh, at the moment. And so um, Hughes definitely has uh, something to prove. Uh, so hopefully he can come in and do that and motivate the players uh, for the eight games remaining. And of course, uh, Jamie made that call and I asked for the call um, well before the Wigan game ever happened, but we'll get to that. We have one more call after um, the other two longer interviews uh, from Dan Jarvis, who uh, will uh, kind of give us his recap of the game against Wigan. So uh, we have one more phone call before we jump into uh, the longer interviews. And this one comes from Tim Marshall. He is at Tim J Marshall on Twitter. He's been on the show before uh, phone call. Anyway, you'll notice that the, the quality towards the end had deteriorated a little bit. I think it's just the connection uh, that was there. Uh, nothing anybody could do about it. So that's just a quick heads up, but uh, it won't take away from what Tim has to say. So uh, here's Tim Marshall on what he thinks about the appointment of Mark Hughes. Hi, this is Tim from London, uh, friend of Matt, friend of the show. My comment is about Mark Hughes. Um, just to say that I think it's really important we welcome him um, at St. Mary's with a, with a huge rural innovation. I think that Puel Pellegrino got a slightly sort of lukewarm at best, sort of indifferent at worst reception, and it really sets the tone to have a really strong uh, unanimous backing for the manager from the outset. So I hope that uh, at the Wigan game away, but more importantly, first time he's presented the home crowd at St. Mary's, we really give him that massive uh, St. Mary's roar to start on the best possible terms. Special thanks to Tim, Alex, and Jamie for calling in. Their Twitter accounts are in the show notes, so be sure to give them a follow if you liked what they had to say. And, and honestly, in all the kind of negativity that's been out there on Twitter for the past, I don't know, 18 months or so, uh, it's nice to hear some uh, positive uh, views coming out of it. And whether it's just us wanting to be positive because we've been kind of uh, shown negative things with the football club for so long, whether we just were looking for a reason to be positive, um, but Whatever it is, uh, let's hope that it's correct. Let's hope that Hughes is the man that can lead us to safety. Um, with the squad we have and the leadership that I think he has, I think we'll be okay. But uh, as you'll hear later, uh, at least one guest um, maybe doesn't share that. And uh, you, if you read what Joey Barton said or you heard what Joey Barton said uh, Monday morning, um, you know, we're maybe we are as fans we we don't have that, that maybe same knowledge or, or understanding of Mark Hughes, but uh, Joey Barton said what he said and, and Stoke fans have said some things that were pretty similar and we'll hear from uh, the perspective of some Manchester fans uh, a little bit later about his tenure there. So um, anyway, let's jump into my interview with Dave Lee. He's at AO Dave Lee. And I think I mentioned at the top of the show, but he co-hosts the waves of tech podcast and helps run the modern life network. Uh, all the Twitter accounts to all of those things are in the show notes. If you're interested in technology at all, uh, current technology stories, uh, Dave and his dad do a fantastic podcast. Been going for like 10 years, uh, which is, you know, really before most people knew what a podcast was, but they've been doing it for a long time. 
Uh, it's worth checking out. I've been a guest on that in terms of uh, talking about my work and school and things like that. So uh, th- that's all there and I enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, so let's go ahead and talk to Dave. Remember, we're in the corner of a conference room. Uh, one guy that I actually know that knew we were recording still decided to yell to his friends on the other side of the room. Um, and he's running for a position that I get to vote for. I will not be voting for him. No, I didn't tell him that. Yes, I'm passive aggressive and I don't care. But here's my conversation with Dave Lee. Uh, enjoy it. And uh, special thanks to Dave for taking the time to talk with me after a very long day of work at a conference. Well, Dave, hello. How's it going, man? I'm all right. Um, we are at the Q conference and this is like uh, only one of the probably four, fourth or fifth time I've ever met in real life, another Southampton fan. Um, and we're not, uh, one of them was next to me at a, a different football game and uh, he kind of reached over, saw the Jersey, uh, while we were uh, urinating next to one another and, uh, showed me the, the crest tattooed on his chest. So that's not how we met. And I'm glad that I'm kind of glad. Yeah. That's a different story. We met, uh, I just checked out your podcast one day and then we connected and you've been on my podcast. Um, you're actually the first Southampton supporter I've ever sat down and talked to. So you, you, you got a, you got one up on me. And it's fun because it doesn't happen this way all the time. Usually I have to interview people over Skype. But uh, when we found out we were going to be here uh, at this conference, at the Q Conference in Southern California, uh, at the same time, we were both kind of excited. And unfortunately, the game has been moved to Sunday and we'll be home already. But otherwise, we were going to try to catch that together. But um, this is a good chance for us to kind of just talk a little bit about the team and um Basically, just want to ask you, how did you come to, to be a Southampton fan? Well, in 2014, you know, I kind of caught football fever after the World Cup. Uh, the U.S. had had a, a decent showing, at least. And, you know, I'd sort of been a fringe football supporter for a number of years, you know, back 2008, 2010, watched a little MLS, uh, didn't really watch any international football. And so once that I kind of got that fever back in 2014. I started searching around saying, okay, which English clubs do I want to follow? Which German clubs do I want to get to? And I just started doing an internet search and checking out social media and just kind of came across Southampton and read about their history, checked out their roster and some of their, their moves and just read, read a bunch about the club. And I just, I just fell in love with it. You know, I, I liked what they were doing as a club. I liked that their academy was so strong. I, you know, we, I enjoyed what the Southampton way was about and sort of the origins there. And that's that's how I came to be a Southampton supporter. I think a lot of fans, as as you've mentioned on your show, is I'm not sure if I chose Southampton or if Southampton chose me as a supporter. So that that's it's I've been a supporter almost about four years now. Yeah, and it's been a good four years uh, for the most part. Well, maybe not the last two, but it's okay. I mean, uh, in the end, it's still uh, fun to root uh, for them each and every week, even uh, if the results don't really don't really go our way. But. Um, yeah, obviously this week there have been a number of changes yesterday on my, on my way down, uh, from, from Santa Maria to, to Palm Springs. They, they announced that officially Mark Hughes was the new manager. Um, and, and but before we get to that, I guess the, uh, Mauricio Pellegrino has gone. Um, I think most fans have made their feelings, uh, known uh, about that and, and they are glad that he is, he is gone. I, and I have to kind of agree. I think it was time, especially after um, the, the last couple of weeks of performances. I think it was maybe uh, they were definitely unacceptable. But I think that even up until that point, uh, he he probably needed to go. Um, but what are your feelings on on the manager kind of being released, and then and then the new the new signing of, of Mark Hughes? Yeah, I think like Pellegrino, just like most of our other supporters, I was I was a bit relieved when I got the news. I actually didn't hear until later that evening on Monday, and uh, maybe it was Tuesday, but uh, it was. 
it was welcome news. I, I think we are all struggling to find a reason to get behind the team. You know, there's different reasons we support the team, whether it's the players, whether it's, you know, the history behind it, whether it's the manager. I was relieved for a number of reasons. Um, I always think that when managers are leading their team and you can tell that the players aren't playing for him, that he's sort of lost the locker room, if you want to say that way. And I think when head coaches are doing more harm and having more detrimental effect than they are good on the squad, that's about time when they need to leave. And I think it should have happened, as you guys have talked about, around the winter break. He was on a short leash, give him a couple more games. But I think I was pleased with with the, the firing because we just weren't seeing any progress, you know, with with Carrillo coming in, Gabby Dini on the bench, long, um, you know, James Ward-Prowse was coming in. You were seeing some progress with him, but you haven't seen Buffal, uh really thrive. You've seen Tadic drop off the last couple of years. Uh, some of that's, of course, on the players, but, you know, the managers are there to sort of infuse and to create um, a, an environment for players to thrive. And I think we've been stale going back to middle of last year in really getting our talent to push beyond their own limits. And for that, I, Pe- Pellegrino, I just never, I, I was optimistic at first, you know, coming in, he was a very unknown quantity. I mean, he had had some experience in, in uh, the first division. But it's it's a it's a different ball game and results matter and we you know we unfortunately didn't get anything from him so I was I was I was relieved I, I think it was well overdue but you know whether he was in there or not you know I was going to be there every Saturday or Sunday cheering on the team and hoping for something different but I think that Newcastle obviously was it was it was the last straw yeah and it's probably the manner of that defeat more so than just the defeat it was the fact that all of the uh, everybody looking at them and saying the players you know there's there's a divide there the players aren't clear as to, as to what their jobs are something's not quite right and i think that performance just epitomized all of it because none of the players they they seemed to give up as, as soon as that first goal went in and and it was very clear that uh, they they were never going to get back into it and uh, i don't know if, if that's kind of what you saw or that's, that's how you yeah, that's exactly what I was, and that's exactly how I felt. You know, that when when you you look, you're watching TV, and 67 seconds into the game, it's one nil, and you're already thinking, should I even stay around for the next 88 minutes? And and that's a that's a terrible feeling to have as a supporter. I know I'm going to sit through it, but you know, based on our history of this year and basically the last 10 games of last year, you know, we're not we're not going to be competitive when when we even go down one zero, two zero, when that third three nil happens. You know, it's it's pretty much lights out, days over for us. But it's a it's a terrible feeling to have. I think we've all been on the high for Southampton for so long um, under uh, Kuman, and it was it was it's just a difficult display to watch when there are basic defensive mistakes being made. Uh, individuals aren't reading the plays. The other team is just on top of us, you know, throughout the full ninety. So uh, that's what I felt. I I think it was uh, it was it was a harsh reality to sit there and just look at a team that we know has so much potential that play on so many national teams that have the ability to be a top ten club year after year in the league and to see the way they played and to see the mannerisms and the expressions on their face. Uh, it hurt me to to see them on the pitch like that. Yeah, and now moving forward with with Hughes, he has said today. We we probably, I mean, I probably shouldn't know this since I've been at a conference, a work conference all day, but I have been checking. Uh, he said he would take the FA Cup seriously, uh, and we'll see. Well, obviously, uh, the Wigan match hasn't happened at the time of talking, but um, with with eight games left to go in the Premier League season, uh, do you think a manager like Mark Hughes, a manager who uh, coached Stoke to to three straight ninth place finishes? Um, that a 13th place finished last year uh, and it was eventually released by them uh, this year. For uh, But do you think he, he has what it takes for 
um, the team to stay up and, and be in the Premier League and really uh, just, just push us through this last eight games. I was pessimistic when Pellegrino was still in that we were actually going to stay in. Uh, I, I, I for sure thought we were going back down the championship, and that, that was disheartening just to come to reality against. I'd been fighting it for so many months. And now with Mark Hughes in place, at least I have some... I'm, I'm naturally optimistic. I prefer to, to have that optimistic, positive mindset. Yes, he has three ninth plate finishes and a 13th place. I, given the time frame and with only eight games remaining, I think he's one of the only options, but also probably one of the better options. Is he potentially the guy that's going to save Southampton come next season? That's, that, that's unknown at this point. But I think given the dynamics, we needed somebody that had Premier League experience. We have someone that, you know, I mean, coach managers are hired to be fired. You know, and, you know, it's that's the nature of the business. So uh, I, I think Mark Hughes is at least the adequate replacement for the time. Um, I don't know too much from his his uh, work with Stoke as far as his tactics, how the uh, how that's going to be managed with our talent pool at the time. Um, but hopefully a, a new face, a new energy, some new coaching staff can go in there and sort of infuse some, you know, some honor back into the game and just sort of revive those players. And I know the players need it, the fans need it. And um, I mean, it took the board long enough to make this decision. And I think we've all been wanting that for a number of years or, or this the, this season. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mark Hughes is, a, I think, an adequate re- replacement given given the conditions and where we're at right now. Yeah, for me, one of the things that I was, was thinking about is our last uh, four managers have been somewhat relative unknowns to, to a lot of English uh, fans, a lot of myself and, and I'm just talking fans of the English game, I guess. And, you know, Kuman was a great player. Uh, Pellegrino has a, a playing career. Puel ha- had a history in France, but we didn't really know uh, about them. And now this is this is a shift because now we've kind of, I guess you can look at it a couple of ways. Have we slid back from challenging for Europe into now we're mid-table and we're just going to enter that kind of managerial merry-go-round or is this is this a stopgap because this is what we have to do and and I and I think that's what it is and I think that's okay um, but it, it also maybe to me signals a, a bit of a change and if we see this next season going forward uh, where we stick with another kind of uh, relative uh, relatively well known manager um, that would that would signal a change to me that I'm not quite sure how I how I feel about yet um, and I'm also exhausted from today if you can't tell <laughs> no it's it's an interesting uh, discussion to have I mean we. I've always been fearful that Southampton was going to be, after we fired Puel at the end of last season, after a, a decent season, I mean, EFL Cup final, eighth, eighth in the league. Um, you can question, of course, how they played the last 10 games of, of that season. But I, once we fired him, I was afraid with this new appointment of Pellegrino, what had it, it, um, occurred is that we were going to be one of those bottom of the league uh, bottom of the table teams that cycled through managers like two, three, four, five within a three-year period. I I know supporters don't want that. The club doesn't want that. But that's my fear. We've seen it with the likes of West Ham now. We've seen it with Stoke. We've seen it with Crystal Palace. We've seen it with Swansea City. I don't think that's what supporters want to be associated with. And like you said, it's more of a stopgap. It gets you through. But year after year, it's it's that challenge. And you know, a lot of people say the promotion relegation battle is exciting for fans. I have found it the worst thing ever. I mean, I don't find anything exciting about it. It's, it's depressing. It's, it's absolutely. It's, it's, it's anxiety ridden. Uh, it's just one of those things. Yeah. Maybe it's good entertainment for a lot of people, but for those that love the club year in and year out, it's the worst possible thing to be a part of. And of course, when I, when I go to the pub to watch other football with other friends, they're like, Hey, what's happened to Southampton? You, You have to take that upon your shoulders as, as a supporter. But I'm, I'm, 
going back to the stopgap, I think that's that's all it is. I think it's just enough to to save us in theory. Um, whether Mark Hughes is that known quantity that's going to get us back into that top ten, because I I still believe honestly that we have a really strong squad, really good young talent. We have some good supporting cast um, that that are on the bench, good academies. I think we are still just missing that leadership component that we haven't seen since uh, the departure of some of our, our well-known players. So if Mark Hughes can find that player, or if next season we have that that caliber of player that comes in or takes over the reins, uh, I think we'll be in a much better spot. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, uh, I know we, we mentioned before that you have a podcast, and where can people find that, and how do they get in contact with you on, on Twitter? Perfect. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at AO Dave Lee. And I have a tech podcast called The Waves of Tech. My father and I do it. So we've been doing it almost uh, 10 years now. And we, uh, you can head over to modernlife.network. And it's a network of podcasts. Um, you can go over there. We talk about all things tech, tech variety. We talk about technology in, uh, in the space industry, education, healthcare, uh, social media, business acquisitions, net neutrality. We talk about it all. So uh, The Waves of Tech, um, you can just search for us. You'll find us. And uh, one more Southampton question. Um, will we stay up? We will. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was, as I mentioned, pessimistic with Pellegrino around. I had no faith that our squad, the only, the only thing I think is honestly going to save us, we're going to have Mark Hughes in there. I believe we're going to get at least a few points. I don't even know if we're going to get wins for the rest of the season. But when you look at the three below us, I think they have just as difficult of a schedule as we do playing the likes of some of the, the bottom half teams, but also some of the top five. So I think if things go in our way, They've been struggling. We've been struggling. Uh, hopefully, the the uh, infusion of some new some new energy can can do it. Um, I, I I'm I'm optimistic now that we're going to stay up. All right, all right. Well, thank you so much for your time, and uh, let's let's get out of here. We're the last ones in the room. Special thanks to Dave for taking the time to do that. Uh, we did manage to sneak away uh, for a few beers uh, a couple of nights later. Uh, we could have taken the microphones then, I guess, but we just chose to just have a conversation, just talk about stuff. And uh, it was really good just to be able to hang out with another Southampton fan. Uh, said it a thousand times on here before, especially on this episode. Uh, it doesn't happen very often. So uh, we have made the uh, the decision, uh, the pact, that we will find a way to get together for an, uh, uh, an actual match, a live match sometime next season. Uh, we'll make sure that we can do that. And whether it's here or there or somewhere in between, uh, we'll just make sure it happens. And now we're going to move on to my interview with uh, Jim Salveson. And so far we've heard from Saints fans who overall are pretty happy with uh, the the hiring of Mark Hughes. And it, like I said, it's not everybody. Not everybody is excited about it. But um, the next uh, kind of perspective we're going to hear is from somebody who has been around for a while and has seen, uh, has been close to, I should say, Hughes's work. Uh, at Manchester City. And so uh, we'll talk with him about that. Also talk with him a little bit about his podcast. And if you haven't checked out uh, the On the Left Side podcast, I strongly encourage you to do so. Um, Download the latest episode, give it a chance. Uh, I think once you do that, you will be hooked. Um, And so let's go ahead and do that. And Oh, by the way, uh, the episode they did last Thursday was all about uh, Jamie Carragher and Mauricio uh, Pellegrino uh, being sacked. So uh, go ahead and check that one out. Um, Jim talks about a little bit during the episode. Um, I recorded this in my hotel room. I kicked my roommate out, um, and it was not the best of setups. I think I took a picture and posted it somewhere. Um, but it, it, his sound comes through 
brilliantly because he knows what he's doing. Um, my sound sounds like an amateur podcaster because that exact is exactly uh, what I am. But nonetheless, um, thanks for talking to me, Jim, if you're listening to this, thank you uh, so much for taking the time to do this and special thanks to Ant uh, for setting all of this up and also recommending SpeakPipe, which allowed me to record the voices of the wonderful guests that you heard at the beginning of the show. So uh, let's jump into the interview uh, and my chat with uh, Jim Salveson. Once again, he's on Twitter at Mr. Jim Bob. He hosts the On the Left Side podcast and all the links and stuff are in the show notes below. So we are here with Jim Salveson. I'd like to welcome Jim to the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Uh, Jim works um, up in uh, Manchester. He's a, he's a radio presenter and also uh, hosts and produces On the Left Side with Aunt McGinley. Um, and and you guys say that that On the Left Side is is an alternative football show. Um, and, and as we welcome you to the show, can you give us a little bit of insight as to as to where that came from and, and kind of what sets your show apart from maybe a traditional football show? Yeah, you know, we called it an alternative football show um, because I was scared of saying it was a funny football show because I'm, I'm not a comedian um, and to actually go out there and go, do you know what? We're really funny. We're going to tell you some jokes is a really terrifying thing to do in the first place. So we went, oh, we'll, we'll call it an alternative show. We'll do something that other football podcasts aren't doing. And there's so many football podcasts like yours who do a fantastic job who deliver fan chat and debate and a very long form conversations. We wanted to do something a little bit different to that. We wanted to do something that wasn't bothered about the score in the most recent game, wasn't bothered about which player played out of his skin, that wasn't bothered about the statistics behind it. We wanted to do something that looked at the kind of bizarre stuff in football. We had um, a TV show over here in the 90s called Fantasy Football League. I don't know if it reached the States, but it had hosted by two comedians, very funny guys called Frank Skinner and David Baddiel. And they just poked fun at football. And that's long gone now. But it was for most football fans, it's a really kind of um, important TV show and people think about it very fondly. And I kind of wanted to recreate a little bit of that feeling as a podcast. So that's what we set out to do. Uh, well, I mean, that that explains it. And I think you've done uh, a fantastic job. And I've, I had the opportunity to speak to you, uh, I think, last year on, on the radio yeah. show. And through that, I found I found the podcast and I've been a subscriber um, kind of ever since. And it is one of those things that after I listen to, you know, some of the bigger podcasts that are that are out there than the more kind of traditional vein. Uh, after I listen to all those, it's nice to, you know, for me, it comes out, it reaches me usually Sunday night and I get it. And it's like, oh, here we go. This is great. And, uh, and it's a good way to uh, kind of debrief from everything else. And I and I enjoy it. So thank you for uh, for, for making that show because I, uh, for one, am, am, am a huge fan. But sometimes I don't think you guys get maybe enough credit because you do tend to weave in like, you know, stories and, and there's a little bit of a lesson in there and things to consider. And and I think that, I don't know, did, did you, you, you can't, I'm sure you consciously do that. Am I, am I correct in saying that? Well, we try and cover as, as much as possible. And there's, um, we, we don't necessarily look at funny stories. That's the thing. For a funny football show, we're not looking at stories about something that's happened in the South African third division where a dog's eating a corner flag or something. That's great, that stuff. But it's not the kind of stories we look at. We poke fun at things that are actually going on in the game and the little narratives and the little, I mean, particularly the Premier League is over. It's, it's a it's a pantomime. You've got villains and you've got heroes and you've ridiculous stuff going on every time. And we like to pull the, the, the characters from those stories. Um, and as you say, that, that, that occasionally there are lessons in there to be taught. And I think particularly one of the things we like doing is kind of poking fun at the way our media treats stories because we have the tabloid media mm -hmm. over here in the UK that often deals with people 
in, I don't want to use the word despicable, in despicable ways, but unfairly. I mean, there's a scenario at the moment that's going on where, for some reason, young black footballers are constantly being criticised for their spending habits. Mm-hmm. And they'll be criticised if, like Raheem Sterling, who plays for Manchester City, was recently criticised for going into Primark and buying a jumper. And everyone said, oh, how, how dare a multi-millionaire footballer be such a skinflint as to go into this budget clothes shop to spend his clothes. And then, similarly, I, he bought a expensive supercar and he was criticised for spending too much money. <laughs> and those kind of hypocritical double standards are constant in the media and the way they tell stories and the way they report the, the non-footballing side of football. So sometimes it feels like we need to, we, we kind of want to make a bit of a political stand a little bit. I mean, it's a, it's a hell of a comparison to make and I'd never want to compare ourselves to the daily show and what John Stewart does, but the way he delivers stuff and he'll go, I'm going to be funny. I'm going to tell you some jokes, but at the same time, I want you to take this away from the story we're telling. Mm-hmm. I kind of think we we hope to achieve something like that sometimes. Yeah, that's a much better explanation than I gave you, um, and that, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and I can agree that that is kind of uh, yeah that that's kind of what I, I get the sense of when I when I listen and um, yeah. So that that I think it's great. And um, like you know, before we go any further, I just want to tell you thank you for for joining the show and and taking some time to to chat with me uh, about about this and and Mark Hughes and because uh, of course Hughes was up in Manchester City. Uh, for some time yes. and so you probably have a, a few stories is there well do you know what Mark Hughes's time at Manchester City I think can mostly be described as forgettable I think that'd be the best phrase to describe it and you've got to remember for a start that Man City fans don't remember anything before 2008 right. that was when the club was founded nothing <laughs> happened before 2008 um, I don't actually mean that I want to be able to go out in Manchester again <laughs> there is a history <laughs> and there are some very passionate fans Man City fans they have obviously got new fans since the money and the success came in but there is a a diehard and very passionate fan base there as well. But I was trying to think back to Mark Hughes at the club and he was only there for around 12 months, I think. And it was when the money first came in. So he bought a few significant players. I think he brought Tevez to the club. I think he brought Nigel de Jong to the club. But I can't remember anything about how he played or the style of football or whether they were successful during that period. So I went on Twitter earlier and I asked people to describe Mark Hughes's tenure in three words. And I've got three examples for you. So the first person said very few goals. The second person said he was okay, And the third person said waste of space. So I think if you bear those descriptions in mind and bear in mind, he had some cash to spend as well. So he had money to buy players and kind of put his stamp on things. It, it doesn't it doesn't fill me with confidence for his tenure at uh, Southampton, I don't think. Yeah, that's not what I wanted to hear. After after the past, you know, almost two full seasons of, of football, the style of football that we've played um, and hasn't it hasn't been great for us. And I was really hoping we were going to get something different. And I think maybe most of us just look at, at what he did at Stoke and, and think, hey, you know, he had Shakiri, he had Arnautovic and, you know, he got them playing. He took them from Tony Pulis to play, just playing long balls to actually trying to play football and and, you know, some decent finishes in there so hopefully uh we're, we're going in that direction but but we will we'll see you'd argue that when he first came to the club and he first i mean tony Poulis left him with quite a solid team there was a decent team there when mark hughes took over at stoke and the first few seasons when he started to play nice football and people went oh there's a bit of development here something's happening we've we've not just lobbed it forward the ball's actually seeing the center of the pitch every now and again not just at the kickoff times and then for the first few seasons it started to happen and it just stalled and stopped and there was no more development and he bought bad players and so I, th- I think 
most Stoke fans would also describe, apart from this season, which is horribly unforgettable, that I think they'd describe his tenure at Stoke as pretty forgettable as well. Yeah, no, when we kind of looked through their, their Twitter accounts, they just basically said that this is a bad call, then, then you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. And it was like, well, you know, and we Southampton Twitter has been pretty negative for the past two years. And so I think we're all trying to be positive and, and he's saying the right things and he looks like the fittest person on the pitch uh, at, <laughs> at practice. Um, and That's and, not a good thing. That- no. Oh, no, <laughs> I mean, the manager your fittest person is not the best thing. He, I mean, but he, you know, so I, I know there were concerns at Stoke that people weren't fit, but it's like, man, if he's if he's that fit, hopefully he just gets the guys working and hopefully he can just inspire him because because Pellegrini was very kind of zen and 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 wasn't really kind of the man motivator, and I think that's what we need with eight games to go. So we'll we'll, we'll see. Um, but I mean, is he one of those guys that I mean, Saints haven't always hired uh, you know, the 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 known coaches, the people who have been around the English game, and and for a little bit that I I worry that we're there. They're kind of reverting back to just can, they're going to be a mid-table team now. They're they're going to maybe stop that challenge. They're going to stop trying to sign the the next best manager from Europe or something like that. And they're going to go with uh, you know just just the proper football man. Um, do you see Hughes <laughs> as being the, the proper football man? I think he's on the edge of being the proper football man or the PFM as I like to call it. <laughs> I think the PFM is a it's a remarkable footballing thing. I mean, the one thing you know that when you appoint a proper football man, Paul Merson is going to be happy because you haven't got given the job to one of those funny foreign lots. So Merson's happy. So that's the main thing. But it's a weird one, isn't it? I mean, it kind of goes hand in hand with that myth that English managers don't really get a proper crack in English football. And they don't get a proper crack in English football because they're not very good. They just (laughs) seem to be handed round between the bottom few clubs. You've got Pardew, you've got Poulish, you've got Allardyce, you've got Moyes, and you've probably got Hughes in there as well. They just kind of, one gets sacked. Then he moves into another one who's just been sacked and they kind of just rotate around those bottom six or seven clubs until they get sacked a few weeks later and then take the payout and then inexplicably get given a job somewhere else a few weeks after that. No sport rewards failure in quite the same way that football rewards failure. It's incredible. If I worked in Tesco's and I kept on putting beans on the shelf where the cornflakes were going, someone wouldn't come up to me a day after I've been sacked and go, we know you put beans on the cornflakes packet all the time in Tesco's, but come and work in this other supermarket. Come and work in Sainsbury's because we think this time you're going to get the beans in the right place. It's 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 remarkable. I, I don't understand how people just keep on going for the same managers who prove they're not up to the job time and time again. Yet they come back in and and get a, get a job. And it's I think there's something with the proper football man that, and I think fans are kind of responsible for this a little bit because they seem to think the problems at any football club can be solved by running around a bit more and trying a little bit harder. And I remember. Tony Adams, who is the ultimate proper football man, he got given a job in the Spanish league with Granada. And he said in his press conference, 100% genuinely, he was asked what he was going to do with Granada to keep them in the La Liga. And he said, he's going to kick some ass, which the underlying message there is, (laughs) the Spanish are all lazy. I'm English. I'm going to show them how to do a proper day's work. And that sums up the proper football man for me. It's all about making people work. It's not about tactics or plans or transfers. It's about making people work a bit harder. And maybe it'll work and and maybe it won't. But I kind of I have I have the impression that it probably won't. No, and that and that definitely runs out after after a little bit. You know that that it can only yeah. get you so far. But the great thing about the proper football man, the really beautiful thing about having someone appointed like this, isn't it? Happened with David Moyes at West Ham, and it happened with Sam Allardyce at Everton. When they come in, no one expects anything. No one expects, and you said it earlier. You're you're gonna 
give up trying to achieve the next thing and be happy with just staying in the Premier League. That's what the proper football man does. And so all the fans now, expectations are on the floor. So if you stay up, everyone will be delighted because the expectations are so low. That's the kind of, that's the magic of the proper football man. That, and that's stark contrast to what we were, what we had before. But um, you mentioned that maybe the the football at Manchester City that he played wasn't maybe as great, but we've definitely had some some bad, and oh, not bad, just possession-based, very slow, very methodical. Um, and so if I can ask you to kind of describe the football you think he will bring to the South Coast on a scale of Jamie Carragher's spittle to Graziano Pella? Like, where does it fall in in there? Wow. Um, incidentally, the, the whole timing of Pellegrino sacking is perfect, it being the same day as the Jamie Carragher incident, because you had this beautiful comparison between Jamie Carragher spitting on a 14-year-old girl and keeping his job, yet Pellegrino just played kind of disappointing football and getting sacked. And you'd argue that probably spitting on a 14-year-old girl is the worst crime of those things, wouldn't yeah. you? I, lo- I loved the timing there. Um, but will he play better football than Pellegrino? I mean, a monkey in a suit would probably play better football than Pellegrino. So although Hughes will probably play better football, I think going with the monkey might have been the better choice at the end of the day. I mean, it it wouldn't be difficult to upgrade the football that Southampton are playing right. or have been playing under their last manager. So... And as we said, we, he did it at Stoke. He turned Stoke from a rugby team into a football team for a couple of years and it looked pretty good. So maybe if that's what the fans want, they might be able to upgrade them. But they, it might be an upgrade in football. But the question is, does Southampton have the players to be able to play a more attractive style of football? And if Southampton do have those players and do have players that are capable of playing that type of football, why haven't they sold them to Liverpool yet? <laughs> Because that, surely that's that's down the line. That's going to happen soon enough. Maybe if Hughes gets a, does well enough, he'll go. You know, maybe we'll do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll be the dream. Um, if you had to pick a manager WWE like E style tag team duo, uh, who would you pair with Hughes? And and do you think they would take any of the other managers out there in in a in its kind of tag team uh, world title match? I reckon. Well, you was already mentioned that Hughes is pretty fit. He looks like he could still play a bit of football. And I think I saw. I think I saw him score an overhead kick in training in a training video for Stoke. So he's got. He's kind of wily. He's fast. He's fit, but he hasn't got a lot of body strength. So I reckon you whack him in a ring with Big Sam Allardyce, who would be the ideal WWE wrestler anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'm going for Big Sam and Mark Hughes. They could be traditional big man, little man job. You've got Big Sam as brawn. You've got Mark Hughes's speed and finesse. And then they can win and they can go off and celebrate with a pint of wine and a Chinese buffet or something afterwards. I think they'd be Really great. get stuck into that. <laughs> who, Special who, move would be the payoff. Yeah. Because so like, obviously, obviously they get sacked and they get a massive payoff. So the finishing move they do would be the payoff. <laughs> I don't know what that would be. <laughs> It'll be great good. either way. Um, and I, I guess one more question for you. Uh, is Hughes more likely to to injure a player by slide tackling him in training? Um, have to be restrained from, from going after an opposing coach in the technical area? Uh, refuse to give a kid an autograph or keep Southampton in the Premier League? Which of those is the most likely? Wow. Um, all of them I'm going to go with, <laughs> apart from D. <laughs> I, I think he's got, do you know what? I think he's got more, his move to Southampton, ironically, has got more chance of keeping Stoke in the Premier League, oh, no. which is the difference than it has Southampton. I think I was watching his press conference and he was saying how he had got a lot, he'd got many, many points in the Premier League previously, but it was like he was under the misconception that he gets to keep those points that he gets to bring him with him. So he'll take his 400 points he's won during his Premier League history and add them to what Southampton have got already. I go like, hey, look, we've got 420 points in the league. We're above City now. It's all fine. I can go about my business. So someone needs to explain to him that it doesn't really work like that. But 
I don't know. I, I kind of get the impression that Southampton might have appointed him purely because he has a load of red and white ties already. Because I can't fathom that he is the man necessarily to keep. He doesn't seem to be the kind of guy who's going to go there and instantly have an impact. We've compared him with his time at Stoke and where he tried to change the style of football, but it was a slow process right. and it wasn't instantaneous. There wasn't a direct impact when he went there. And we've talked about how the fans' expectations are going to be lowered. And you've got to think about that from a player's point of view. Are the players sitting in that dressing room going to be inspired by the appointment of Mark Hughes? And I'm not sure. I'm not sure he's the kind of man that because that's what you want. You want them at this stage in the season. You want the bounce. You want the manager to go in there, inspire the players and get them to basically up up their games to that mythical footballing 110 percent for the last few games of the season, because that's the way you'll stay in this division. And I can't see that happening. But that said, I think there are three worst teams in Southampton in the league. So I hope. I like Southampton. I think they're a, they're a nice team. They've got good history. They've developed so many England players. They're constantly playing youth team players and they've been horribly mismanaged by a board who have sold all their assets systematically through the years without actually bringing in any new talent. And no fans deserve that. It's like they've got a nice car, but then they've decided to sell the wheels and then the engine and then the gearbox. And they're still expecting that car to be able to win the Indy 500. It doesn't work like that football. And so I think the fans deserve the club to stay up. And I hope for that sake that, that they do. Yeah, yeah no, we, we all do. But I think the uh, I think the perspective that, that, that you have on this is, is is a good one in that you look at how he starts at most teams and it's not great. And right now you you only have eight games to save the season. So whether he changes his approach when he comes in uh, or he you know tries to just do what he's done in the past I, will kind of be the difference. And all we can do at this point is, is we all want the manager out uh, we all want a Pellegrino out and so you know this is what you get and we all want to pull out and we got Pellegrino so hopefully it's a step up from that hopefully it goes the opposite direction but but you know that's at this point we made a decision and and now we're just hoping we can stay in and yeah I mean maybe Hayes got some other you know maybe he's got some motivation to try to, to put Stoke down since they uh they got rid of him this year but but, but we'll see and they um, pulled out the fire before I mean when 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 Pochettino was appointed when Coleman was appointed nobody was particularly expecting a, a massive amount for them right and they achieved great things so maybe maybe this is the move that will propel Hughes from being the proper football man, from one of like the also ran managers into that that next level. And maybe he will go to Liverpool. Who knows? <laughs> All right. Well, um, Jim, can you tell everybody where they can they can find the show, uh, your show, and where they can find sure. you on Twitter and all that stuff? Uh, you can find the show well everywhere, whatever you use to listen, whatever you're using to listen to this podcast now. In fact, if you search on the left side, you'll find us. If you search Funny Football, we'll probably be in the mix there somewhere. And you can find our Twitter account at on the left side is on there on social media as well all right and new shows every monday thursday yeah every monday and thursday until the end of the season and then we'll probably take a little bit of a, a rest and be back for the world cup in russia to chart england's disappointing campaign then as well and they're probably i mean there won't be anything to talk about there right nothing's going to happen no no nothing they usually pass without any incident at all world cups <laughs> so i'm sure there'll be no fan trouble or anything it'll be fine yeah it'd be great well jim I, I appreciate you taking the time to join the show and uh you know talk with us a little bit i hope uh you know try to make it a little bit funny for you but uh we'll, we'll see how it goes thanks for having us cheers matt cheers And once again, thank you to Mr. Jim Salveson. He's at Mr. Underscore Jim Bob on Twitter. You can also find him at on the left side. The links are in the show notes. And uh, Jim writes and produces uh, on the left side, along with Ant McGinley uh, for Abrupt Audio. Uh, all things I, I suggest you check out. 
uh, if you are interested at all in, in funny football podcasts or other podcasts. And, um, yeah, that was uh, super special for me. I'm sure you could tell it was very early in the morning. Uh, my voice was pretty shot from being at the conference and things like that, but, uh, Jim, uh, stuck with me through it. And I appreciate that. Uh, couldn't, uh, t- can't explain to you how, how fun that was. Uh, and I wish we could have talked for longer, but, but we couldn't. Um, and, and last thing for this show, because of course, even after, um, all of that, uh, Southampton still had to go to Wigan on Sunday. Um, uh, I drove home late Saturday night so that I could be home for the match to be able to watch it. Um, and it, it was a pleasure to be able to watch, but, um, the interview that we had kind of set up for that kind of fell through, uh, people got busy and then I had, you know, I hadn't seen my family in five days. It was kind of, uh, not really possible for me to sneak away and, and, and find an opportunity to record. But, um, I did get a chance to talk with, uh, Dan Jarvis, uh, who is a Southampton season ticket holder along with his dad. Um, they go to almost every match and, uh, there's a pretty cool story there, but, uh, we'll save that for, uh, another time. But anyway, I, I asked Dan to uh, maybe tell me a little bit about uh, his journey and about the match, what stood out and, um, you know, kind of expecting just, you know, 32nd minute long uh, kind of recap of the match uh, and what Dan sent over to me uh, is, is brilliant. And so I'm just going to play it in its entirety here. Uh, I didn't do anything to it. I just uh, uh, compressed it a little bit and raised the volume just a tad so you can hear it all. And, uh, this is, this is Dan's kind of story about the match, about the Wigan match, about uh, what he saw, what he felt. And, uh, I think he'll enjoy it. And then, uh, this is the last kind of thing I will play for you. And then I'll talk to you uh, at the very end of the show. So once again, this is Dan Jarvis. He's on Twitter at Dan Jarvis, SFC 91. Uh, thank you so much, Dan, for being willing to do this. And now, uh, here's his take on the Wigan match and kind of everything else that led up to it. Wigan away. Where do I start? Admittedly, initially, we were under the cosh. But I think we showed great character, remaining resilient. And clearly the words of new managerial arrival Mark Hughes inspired at half-time. Something sadly Pellegrino was never able to achieve. I thought Sparky got his tactics spot on, popularly starting two up top, including Gaviadini, and his substitutions were both sensible and well-timed. But that's what the experience of an old school British manager who's overseen 450 plus Premier League matches will get you. Particularly second half, we moved the ball at a much higher tempo and with purpose. Without getting carried away, already the signs are promising having made the coaching change. Individual performance wise, I thought Pierre Hoybier was phenomenal. Forever committed and full of running. He deserved his goal, despite accidentally kicking Jack Stevens in the delicates during the celebrations, and with the maturity he displays both on the pitch and off during interviews, I feel as though he genuinely has potential to one day become club captain. Also interesting to note, that was the first Saints goal for both Hoybier and Cedric. Amazing for Cedric in particular, as he's never been able to hit the proverbial bundle, and his shots usually end up in row Z. Where he's been hiding that prowess in front of goal, I do not know. But hopefully we'll see more of it. Last of all, to the fans. In excess of 4,000 plus making 450 mile trip to Lancashire in Arctic conditions. Dodging jackknife lorries. Hopelessly stuck Audis. My partner, to her credit, even had to push Dad and I up a hill in Swindon to keep the dream of making the game alive. Every single one of you deserve all the credit in the world for continuing to provide support during a 
thoroughly difficult season. The vocal backing alone warranted us progression into the next round, particularly of Manolo Gabbiadini in an attempt to pick him up following the penalty miss. Our incredible fan base, unequivocally loyal and passionate, undoubtedly makes Southampton one of the greatest clubs around. And if Ralph Kruger deems labelling us a small club justifiable, he needs to think again. I only wish he had attended yesterday in order to witness otherwise firsthand. At the Saints. That does it for episode 63 of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed it. Special thanks to all of the guests who took time to leave a voicemail, talk with me on Skype, or sit down with me at a conference. Uh, The show doesn't happen without you. It's my pleasure to be able to share uh, just just some time with you above anything else. Um, The show is kind of secondary. It's the relationship that's there. Uh, getting to talk with each and every one of you that I really, really look forward to and I really enjoy. Uh, So thank you. Uh, I can't really explain how much it means uh, to me. So uh, the last person you heard, like I said before, was Dan Jarvis. Uh, He and his father attend almost every match. They're season ticket holders. uh, And I thought that was absolutely brilliant and a good way to end the show. Uh, This show, as always, is partnered with The Saints Report. For all of your Southampton FC news and needs, be sure to check out The Saints Report on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook you will not be disappointed. The artwork for the show is done by the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. For all your matchday edits, polls, competitions, and more, be sure to check out the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. Matt, who runs the page, has been a guest on the show. They said he does the artwork. Uh, it's a fantastic page, so go ahead and head over there and check it out. All of the music on the show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games. The end of show credits that you're listening to now is Aim is True by Poddington Bear. The links are in the show notes if you are interested. And if you are enjoying this show, please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen so that you do not miss future episodes. We'll be back next week with another episode and the week after that and the week after that and the week after that. You get the idea. Anyway, get in touch with us on social media at SFCDELL underscore IVERY. If you've been a subscriber for some time, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. It really helps other people find out about the show. Uh, And like I said, there's a link at the very bottom of the show notes where you can call in and let us know your feelings. Maybe you'd rather do that than write a review. That is just fine. But until next time, thank you for listening. And remember that together, we march on.